Good evening, brothers and sisters, beloved, good evening. We want this to be different, uh, not because we like, that we don't like what we usually do. I just want the Lord to have the opportunity to receive from every one of us the very best thank offering we can give him for going to the cross. Yeah. That cost that cost the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit a lot. Amen. And they chose to do it. They chose to do it. Jesus said, and it'll turn out in my scripture that I read in a few minutes that that uh, how else will 
God's order, God's plan be fulfilled if I don't allow this, them to arrest me and take me to the cross. He didn't do it grudgingly. He did it motivated out of love. And let's just, out of love, give him a thank you offering tonight. Let's just listen to these readers read about exactly what the text, text in the Gospel of John says about the crucifixion, about, about his arrest and trial and all the choices that he made right there because he loves us. Let's, let's allow that to speak to our hearts. And, listen, and then just respond in your own way, in your own way. You can, you can be seated as much as you want to. You can stand as much as you want to. You can come to the altars if you want to. It, it is totally your privilege to just respond in any way that, is a, that you feel like responding. But for this one hour, I just want us to focus on these scriptures and, and the worship that will come from us after we read them and after we hear them. Let's stand together and, and just start right, right now with a thank you offering to the Lord. Thank you. Lord, we can't, we can't say thank you enough for the cross. We are so dependent upon what you did for us on the cross. Where would we be if you hadn't done that? What if you hadn't done that for us? What if, what if you changed your mind? And, and which is when your prerogative to do. But Lord, you didn't. You stayed the course. You paid the debt. The debt of our sin was laid upon you. You took the burden. And you gave us liberty. <laughs> you gave us liberty. You gave us freedom. You gave us everything that we could ever want, Lord. A relationship with you. A hope of eternal life with you prepared by you, Lord. Thank you. All because of what you did for us on the cross. So, Lord, as we, as we open your word and, and hear what it says tonight, I pray that every one of us, every one of us, just engage with you on a personal one by one to one. And that you receive from us an offering of worship, an offering of adoration and thanks, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 You may be seated again. Or you may stand, whatever you'd like to do. We're going to worship a little bit.
You can be seated. Starting with John, the beginning of chapter 18. Jesus had been talking to the disciples for some time. And John uses the introductory words, after saying these things, all those things that I've been preaching about, Jesus crossed the Kidron Valley with his disciples and entered a grove of olive trees, which we know as the Garden of Gethsemane. Judas, the betrayer, knew this place because Jesus had often gone there with his disciples. The leading priests and Pharisees had given Judas a contingent of Roman soldiers and temple guards to accompany him. Now with blazing torches, lanterns, and weapons, they arrived at the olive grove. Jesus fully realized all that was going to happen to him. So he stepped forward to meet them. Who are you looking for? He asked. Jesus the Nazarene, they replied. I am he, Jesus said. Judas, who betrayed him, was standing with them. As Jesus said, I am he, they all drew back and fell to the ground. Once more, he asked them. I guess that's when they got up. Got situated with, I wonder if anybody burned himself on the torch. Um, and their weapons, they got all put, get it back together again. And Jesus then, once more, he asked them, who are you looking for? And again, they replied, Jesus the Nazarene. Verse 8 says, I told you that I am he, Jesus said. And since I am the one you want, let these others go. He did this to fulfill his own statement. I did not lose a single one of those you have given me. Then Simon Peter drew a sword and slashed off the right ear of Malchus, the high priest's slave. But Jesus said to Peter, put your sword back in its sheath. Shall I not drink from the cup of suffering that the Father has given me. So the soldiers, their commanding officer and the temple guards arrested Jesus and tied him up. First they took him to Annas, the father-in-law of Caiaphas, the high priest at that time. Caiaphas was the one who had told the other Jewish leaders, it's better that one man should die for the people. He felt like he was using good judgment when he said that. When Caiaphas said, it's better that one man die instead of us having a revolutionary war or all of the, 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 the Jewish leaders that were, were being replaced by the crowd going to Jesus. Uh, he, he said, the solution is for that one man to die. But, of course, that really wasn't man's decision, as was proved by what we read earlier, that when he said, I am, 
the same one who in the Old Testament answered Moses, who shall I say sent me? And he said, tell them I am sent you. Jesus used those two words several times. John quotes Jesus saying, I am, I am the way, the truth and the life. And in this case, we're there at, at Gethsemane when they were to arrest him. He used those powerful words and they all just fell to their ground. I think they staggered back and fell on their backs like a person slain in the spirit. How did Jesus do that? How did God do that? Let's don't, let's don't ever try to figure out God's power. If he can speak the world into existence, nothing's impossible for him. But it really just went to show, it's not your power that's overtaking me. It's the power of my love that's driving me. It's the power of his determination to rescue us, to give us hope, to give us eternal hope. To give us real, real peace. Because we know God paid for our sin debt in full. Thank you, Lord. Lord, we worship you. We thank you. We express our, our deepest thanks for going to the cross. Thank you, Lord, that, that you said to them, I am he. And thank you that they all fell to the ground to remind us, Lord, the power that that, uh, that was, was in you to escape if you wanted to, but to prove to us that you didn't choose to. You, you chose to lay your life down. You chose to be the Lamb of God slain from the foundation of the world. You, you chose to be the sacrificial Lamb that would, that would redeem us from the curse of our sin and our death penalty. And Lord, we can't thank you enough, but we just offer up a praise. We just offer up a worship and adoration to you. And, a, and a, a, the truest heartfelt words we can think of, Lord, thank you. Thank you for the cross. Amen. Yes. John 18. 28 to 40. Jesus' trial before Caiaphas ended in the early hours of the morning, and then he was taken to the headquarters of the Roman governor. His accusers didn't go inside because it would defile them, and they wouldn't be allowed to celebrate the Passover. So Pilate the governor went out to them and asked, What is your charge against this man? We wouldn't have handed him over to you if he weren't a criminal, they retorted. Then take him away and judge him by your own law, Pilate told them. Only the Romans are permitted to execute someone, the Jewish leaders replied, and this fulfilled Jesus' prediction about the way that he would die. Then Pilate went back to his headquarters and called for Jesus to be brought to him. Are you the king of the Jews, he asked. Jesus replied, is this your own question, or did others tell you about me? Am I a Jew, Pilate retorted. Your own people and their leading priests brought you to me for trial. Why, what have you done? Jesus answered, my kingdom is not an earthly kingdom. If it were, my followers would fight to keep me from being handed over to the Jewish leaders. But my kingdom is not of this world. Pilate said, so are you a king? Jesus responded, you say I'm a king. 
Actually, I was born and came into the world to testify to the truth. All who love the truth recognize that what I say is true. What is truth? Pilate asked. Then he went out again to the people and told them, he is not guilty of any crime. But you have a custom of asking me to release one prisoner each year at Passover. Would you like me to release this king of the Jews? But they shouted back, no, not this man. We want Barabbas. And Barabbas was a revolutionary. They wanted a revolutionary, a murderer to go free because they hated Jesus so much. They hated him so much that they would let a murderer go free instead. But Jesus is our king. And as Brother Ron talked about earlier today, he's truth. He is that truth. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And nobody comes to the Father except through him. He is our king. And we are part of his kingdom as believers of him. Lord, I just thank you that you are king of kings and lord of lords. And there is nobody else like you, Lord. Nobody else like you. I thank you, Lord, that you came so that you could make the kingdom your kingdom, full of your children, Lord. I thank you, Lord, that we are part of your kingdom, Lord. And may we let you reign in our lives as the true king that you are of our kingdom. The only kingdom that matters because the one here on earth does not matter. All that matters is your kingdom, Jesus. Help us to put it first place in our lives always in all that we do. In the name of Jesus, amen.
John chapter 19, beginning of verse 1 says, Then Pilate had Jesus flogged with a lead-tipped whip. The soldiers wove a crown of thorns and put it on his head, and they put a purple robe on him. Hail, king of the Jews, they mocked as they slapped him across the face. Pilate went outside again and said to the people, I'm going to bring him out to you now, but understand clearly that I find him not guilty. 
Then Jesus came out wearing the crown of thrones and a purple, thro purple robe, and Pilate said, Look, here is the man. And when they saw him, the leading priests and the temple guards began shouting, Crucify him, crucify him. Take him yourselves and crucify him, Pilate said. I find him not guilty. But the Jewish leaders replied, By Allah, he ought not to die because he has, by our law, he ought to die because he has called himself the Son of God. When Pilate heard this, he was more frightened than ever. He took Jesus back into the headquarters again and asked him, Where are you from? But Jesus gave no answer. Why don't you talk to me? Pilate demanded. Don't you realize that I have the power to release you or to crucify you? Pilate said, don't you realize I have the power to release you or to crucify you? Pilate said, I can let you go or I can put you to death. And Jesus said in verse 11, he said, you would have no power over me at all unless it were given to you from above. So the one who handed me over to you has the greater sin. Pastor Ron said a while ago, it was the power of love that brought Jesus. It was the power of love that put him on the cross. It was the power of his love that he gave his life for us. It wasn't because of Pilate. It wasn't because of the high priest. It wasn't because of anyone except his love. It was only his love that brought him to this earth and brought him to this place. The song we just sang says, you don't have to, you don't have to come. But you always do. There it is. He says, you don't have to come, but you always do. You show up in splendor and you change the whole room. Jesus didn't have to come. There was no power on heaven or earth that could have forced him to come. And Pilate was already afraid. Can you imagine the words that Jesus spoke? He says, you only have the authority to release me or to crucify me because it was given to you from above. Verse 12, then Pilate tried to release him, but the Jewish, the Jewish leader shouted, if you release this man, you are no friend of Caesar. Anyone who declares himself a king is a rebel against Caesar. And when they said this, Pilate brought Jesus out to them again. Then Pilate sat down on the judgment seat on the platform that is now called, or that is called the stone pavement. It was now about noon, the day of preparation for Passover. And Pilate said to the people, look, here is your king. Away with him, they yelled, away with him, crucify him. What, Pilate asked, crucify your king? We have no king but Caesar, the leading priest shouted back. Then Pilate turned Jesus over them to them to be crucified. Man, what better thing to do on Thanksgiving than to thank Jesus for his love for us. The Bible says no greater love of any man shown than to give his own life for his friends, for his family to lay down his life for others. Let's just take a moment, let's just thank him for the fact that he didn't come because he had to. He wasn't obligated to come. He wasn't forced to come, but he came because he loved us. Father, we love you. Jesus, we love you and we thank you so much right now because it was your love that led you to come. It was your love for me. It was your love for each of us that led you to this world, to come to this earth and to be born and to live in the life that you did and to become man, Lord, and to suffer in the ways that you had to physically, Lord, to suffer on this earth and to be, to be spit upon and despised and beaten and, and Lord, mocked and ridiculed in a way that you didn't have to. And Lord, to be judged 
when you had no sin to be judged. You had done no wrong, but you were judged and you were, you were treated so horribly because of your love. Lord, there's no way we could repay your love. But Lord, we're so thankful that you love us so much, that you gave your life, that you love us so much, that you came and you went to that cross, even though you didn't have to. Lord, you could have called and the angels would have come by legions to de deliver you from the cross. But Lord, you did and you stayed there for me. You stayed there for each of us, Lord, and we praise you for that. God, we thank you so much for your sacrifice that you've given us. Lord, I pray we never take for granted the sacrifice that you've given us. I pray we never take for granted that love that you have for us. That, Lord, that love, Lord, that just like the prodigal son's father is always standing there when we turn and we go our own way. You stand and you watch and you wait for us to come back. Lord, we thank you for that. We praise you, Lord. We love you tonight. We give you glory, God, because you deserve the glory. You're worthy of our praise. You're worthy of our glory. You're worthy of it all. And we love you, and we thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Um, John nineteen sixteen through 27. So they took Jesus away. Carrying the cross by himself, he went to the place called Place of the Skull in Hebrew, Golgotha. There they nailed him to the cross. Two others were crucified with him, one on either side, with Jesus between them. And Pilate posted a sign over him that read, Jesus of Nazareth the king of the Jews. The place where Jesus was crucified was near the city, and the sign was written in Hebrew, Latin, and Greek so that many people could read it. Then the leading priests objected and said to Pilate, change it from the king of the, of, excuse me, change it from the king of the Jews to he said, I am the king of the Jews. Pilate replied, no, what I've written, I've written. When the soldiers had crucified Jesus, they divided his clothes among the four of them. They also took his robe, but it was seamless, woven in one piece from top to bottom. So they said, rather than tearing it apart, let's throw dice for it. This fulfilled the scripture that says, they divided my garments among themselves and threw dice for my clothing. So that is what they did. Standing near the cross were Jesus's mother and his mother's sister Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother standing there beside the disciple he loved, he said to her, Dear woman, here is your son. And he said to this disciple, Here is your mother. And from then on, this disciple took her into his home. You know, what I think is really amazing to me, and this really struck me, is that when he was on the cross, he spoke to basically four people. He spoke to the thief that was beside him. Um, well, and, and of course to God, the Father. And then he also spoke to John and to Mary and his mother. And I think that, um, you know, even when he was in another um, 
in one of the other gospels i've been reading them this week as pastor ron asked us to and uh, he he spoke to the women who were weeping on his way up to golgotha and and that made me think you know even in the time when he knew what he was about to do he was concerned about the heart of those that were there that loved him that saw him and and just as we've we've heard over and over that it he did this all in his love for us you know the fact that he would love his mother enough to give her to john that he loved john enough to give uh his mother to him you know that that he loved the thief on the cross that turned his heart you know and that he loved us enough to take all that punishment that we couldn't even imagine upon himself and i am just amazed at how god thinks of even the littlest thing you know as a mother if i knew i was dying and i had you know kids i would want my kids to know you know this is who you can go to if i had young children this is the person that i endorse and 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 i you know i love this person and i know that they're going to take care of you and so to me even though mary was an adult that shows the compassion of our father god of our to to give his son enough knowledge to say here you know here is your mother take care of her and uh that is a, from a mother's heart that blesses me so so much but um i do want to thank the lord so much for his heart for our suffering in the midst of whatever is going on you know even though he was carrying his own cross of bleeding and he spoke to the women you know daughters don't be afraid you know he spoke to the man at the cross don't worry you're going to be with me and then spoke to his mother and to john what an awesome god yes. heavenly father you are so good that you sent your son that jesus you would have so much compassion in your heart for those that suffer lord father in, in our in our minds we think things and we hurt and our hearts are worried and troubled and lord you just put your peace and your calmness in it with just a breath of your word lord where we can go and we can see that you said these things so that we would have comfort so we would have peace so that we would know that you're right there for us thank you jesus for dying for our sins thank you jesus for giving us what we needed just when we needed jesus you are our king and we're so thankful that even Pilate recognized that you're the king of jews thank you jesus in your precious name amen
reading John chapter 19 verse 28 through 37 it says that Jesus knew that his mission was now finished and to fulfill scripture he said I am thirsty a jar of sour wine was sitting there so they soaked up a sponge in it put it on a hyssop branch and held it up to his lips when Jesus had tasted it he said it is finished then he bowed his head and released his spirit it was the day of preparation, and the Jewish leaders didn't want the bodies hanging there the next day, which was the Sabbath, and a very special Sabbath because it was Passover. So they asked Pilate to hasten their deaths by ordering that their legs be broken. Then their bodies could be taken down. So the soldiers came and broke the legs of the two men crucified with Jesus. But when they came to Jesus, they saw that he was already dead, so they didn't break his legs. One of the soldiers, however, pierced his side with a spear, and immediately blood and water flowed out. This report is from an eyewitness giving an accurate account. He speaks the truth so that you can also believe. These things happen in fulfillment of the scriptures that say, not one of his bones will be broken, and they will look on the one they pierced. Whenever I read this, one of the things that stood out to me was one that he said it was, it was finished, it was fulfilled, completely fulfilled. He, I mean, he didn't just get the job done. This was a, a perfect fulfillment of the prophecies of what he said in the Old Testament would be accomplished. It was fulfilled. Um, and I just think that speaks to God's character, how he doesn't just meet our needs. He, he completes them. He fulfills them completely. And we can trust that he will, that he, he will hold true to his promise and that his, his word stands true. Um, so I just want to give thanks for, for his perfect will and for, um, for, for us being able to trust him and trust what he says. So dear Heavenly Father, we come to you today with a thankful heart, Lord. We just thank you for your perfect will, dear, dear Lord. We just thank you that we can trust you with, with everything and any need, as small or as big as it may be, dear Lord, we know. We know that we can put it in your hands and that you, you will be true and you will, you will fulfill your promises to us. And I just, I thank you that you fulfilled this promise so many years ago, that you provided a way for us to spend eternity with you. And I just thank you for the sacrifice that you made and, and the fulfillment of that sacrifice, Lord. We love you and we praise you in Jesus' name, amen.
one of the places in Scripture that is rich with, with revelation about what went on on the cross is Isaiah chapter 53, written hundreds of years before the cross. But it just shows how God anticipated this, and he put the words in Isaiah to, to say what he said. Some of the more familiar words, verse 5, but he was wounded and crushed for our sins. He was beaten that we might have peace. He was whipped and we were healed. All of us have strayed away like sheep. We have left God's paths to follow our own. Yet the Lord laid on him the guilt and sins of us all. Couple that prophecy with what Jesus said in Matthew 26. Uh, I, I, I love this verse because it, it says what, what communion is about. It, what, what, what communion represents, the reality that Jesus spilled his blood for the forgiveness of our sins. His blood were the, were the covenant sealing, uh, was the covenant sealing sacrifice that caused our sin to be able to be forgiven. Jesus said in Matthew 26, verse 28, For this is my blood which seals the covenant between God and his people, it is poured out to forgive the sins of many. It's too good to be true. Amen. But it's true. Amen. But it's true. There's a songwriter named Philip Bliss, I believe is his name, who wrote the song, It Is Well With My Soul. One of the stanzas of that well-known song says, My sin, oh, the bliss of this glorious thought, my sin, not in part, but the whole. Think of that. Every one of them. All of them. My sin, not in part, but the whole, was nailed to the cross. And I bear it no more. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Oh, my soul. We have... Uh, individuals ready to, to distribute the elements of communion to all of you who want to partake communion as a, as a remembrance, as the Lord said it would be. If you would come and, and serve the audience at this time, I'll, I'll give them time to distribute this before. Are one of you going to serve the platform too? Yes. Okay, good. Thanks. Praise the Lord. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Praise the Lord. Thank you.
Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Lord. When you've been served, would you like to come and stand at the altar? Come and stand around the front in this altar area? Many of our sins were forgiven in the altar area at the church. I got saved as a six-year-old boy, six or seven-year-old boy in the altar area of the church, praying with our pastor's wife. Children's church has an altar area. The children know what it is to pray around the altar. The youth program has an altar area, and our youth know what it is to come to an altar and see your life altered and changed by the power of God. I just think it's a wonderful thing for us to gather in the altar area together. We present ourselves here, Lord, as an offering of thanks. We're going to take communion, Lord, together because every one of us are the recipients of the wonderful gift your, you, what you did on the cross purchased. Every one of us had sinned. We're all like sheep. We have all gone astray. But Lord, Father, you laid on him the guilt and iniquity and shame. <laughs> he, he took the blame for it all. And Lord, we owe you a, an offering of love and thanks. We want to give you that offering right here at this altar. Yes. Right here together in one accord, Lord, we want to say thank you for the cross. Yes. Thank you. Thank you, Lord, for, for the night you were with your disciples before, before you were crucified that evening before at the Passover meal. Lord, you took bread and broke it. And you said, this is my body, which is broken yes. for you. Thank you. This do in remembrance of me. Yes, thank you. Lord, that's what we're doing. Just like the 12, just like the, those who did that with you that night, Lord, we join them in breaking this bread and saying, thank you, Father, for the bread of life that came to us. We eat of that bread. We drink of this cup, Lord, and we, we do so in faith because believing and trusting in you that's all we can do to obtain righteousness. We can't gain it with our own, Lord. It's, all, it's a gift. It's a wonderful, priceless gift that you paid for with your blood. We put this bread to our lips, Lord, believing and trusting in what you did to purchase our redemption. In Jesus' name, shall we eat together? And Lord, at that same meeting, that same meeting you you took a cup and you instructed your followers to drink it from it to drink all of it because this was this this cup is the new testament sealed affirmed concluded <laughs> agreed between god and man the new covenant lord that would re redeem us and forgive us of our sins 
and make us righteous. <laughs> you would impute your righteousness to us. So, Lord, we drink this cup with all the thanks that our heart can give. Thank you for the cross and thank you for the opportunity to be purchased and brought into the family by such a, a generous, loving and costly gift that you gave because you love us. In Jesus' name, we drink this cup in faith. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Yes. Let's just conclude with the worship. You can do that up here or wherever you like. Okay. You can worship right here as we conclude with worship. Wherever you would like. However you want. This is our last thing to do. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Praise God. I love you, Lord. I remember who I was. I was lost. I was blind. I was running out of time. And sin separated. The breach was far too
just worshiping for another moment can we take just another moment hallelujah god we love you we praise you lord you're worthy god god you're so worthy of all that we've done tonight lord all that we can do lord you're worthy of it all lord you're so worthy god we can't express words cannot express what you've done words cannot express how much we praise you Lord, all we can offer is what we have, and that's our, our, our thanks and our gratitude, Lord, and our praise and our worship, Lord, because you're worthy of our praise. Lord, you're so worthy. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 Isn't the Lord wonderful? Man, we could stay here all night and couldn't even cover all that we need to just to give him praise and worship. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. Uh, thanks for coming out tonight. How many of you are thankful for Pastor Ron coming? Man, what a blessing. How many, how many weeks has it been? You don't know? I'd say at least 30 or 40. Three months-ish, probably. Pastor Ron's been here, and he is he has poured into us. And I know, listen, you may think he's just here on Sunday, but I get emails from him through the week. I get texts from him through the week, and he, he is focused on our church. He has been focused on you. He's been focusing on ministering and bringing the word so that we're not lacking during this time without a pastor. Can we just give a, a, an applause? I mean, we don't want to lift up a man before the Lord, but we want to give thanks to God for what he's done. And it just happens to be his birthday. I won't tell you how old he is, but I, I did 70. He'll say he's not ashamed. I didn't know that this morning when we first got up here. We probably would have mentioned it, but be sure and tell him happy birthday. Hug his neck. This may be the last time we see him, at least in this capacity. And so we really appreciate you and all that you've done for us. And we, we want you to know that. And uh, we don't want you to be overlooked or feel like we, uh, we certainly never want to take advantage of someone coming. And, uh, and pour into us this way. Um, a couple things real quick. We will not have a Wednesday night service, uh, so don't don't show up. We won't be here. Next Sunday, 
David Meyer is going to be here. Our, our uh, pulpit committee has searched far and wide. They have prayed and they have searched and they have called and they have prayed and they have searched and they have run the gauntlet so that we can have a pastoral candidate here. Uh, they've got one they want to present to you. Now it's your turn to pray. It's your turn to come and to listen to him. Because we can't elect him if we don't know him. And if we don't, the only way we can know him is to come and listen to him and get to know him. He'll be here Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, Sunday morning, and Sunday night again. So come, be here, be in prayer. Start praying right now. Matter of fact, let's take a moment right now. And let's just, let's just take this. This is this, uh, some of you think, well, we've prayed a lot, but you know, this is very serious because this is potentially the next 10 to 20 years of our church stands right here and we need to stand in the gap and we need to raise heaven for our church and say lord we need so let's do that right now father we seek your will god we pray right now that your will be done in this church lord that your will be done in this pulpit father god that the the right man for the right now lord would be the one that comes lord and we pray if this is that man open our eyes let us see show us god without any doubt that he is the man to pastor this church to lead us lord in the way that you have prepared for us lord in the way that you have for us god and God, I pray right now that your Holy Spirit would begin to move through, through this David Meyer, Lord, that it would begin to flow through him right now as he prepares to come. Lord, that you would show him what he is to do while he's here and open our hearts and our minds to receive what you have for us, God, and to show us your way and your will, Lord. God, because we want your will, Father. God, and we seek your direction in everything that we do. We thank you, God. Because we know you're still in, you're still on the throne. We thank you because we know you're still in charge, and no man under the unless authorized by God has the authority to come into this place, Father. And just like Jesus said, that authority is given from heaven, and we pray right now, God, that you would move and that you would touch lives, God, through all of this. Lord, we thank you for what you're doing. Lord, we thank you, God, for all that you're doing right now, Lord, and we praise you and we glorify you in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So be here. Uh, I think we're going to have a meet and greet with him at some point where other than just the service. Okay. Right. So start. So continue to pray. I'm sorry. You have absentee ballots. You, you will get asked that question, and, and that's not allowed in a pastoral in the, in the initial pastoral election, the initial the first election of a pastor. Later on, when you know the person you're voting on, yes, but you're not allowed to somebody say, "Hey, I need your no vote," and or "I need your yes vote," and uh, you know you didn't even come. That's why that's not allowed. So, so you have to be present. Come and come and and make your own. Own presence. Yeah, two more things right fast. Okay. I mean, I've had people ask me about voting. If you are not a member of the church,
time. Well, you have to be a member in good standing. You can just join the church right now and vote. No, you can't do that because we're, we're closed. We're closed for membership until we get a pastor. All right. And you need to, you need to be a member for, for 60 days before you can vote on anything. That's what I asked. But I mean, even if we were allowed people to vote today, they wouldn't they wouldn't be allowed to vote in the elections. So, yeah. uh, just so everybody knows that. Where do these people stay in the middle of here? They are not staying here. Okay. okay. If y'all haven't been, I'll just, I'll just tell you a little bit. I mean, they're, they're from Wisconsin. Uh -huh. They sold everything they had and moved to Oklahoma because they felt like they were supposed to be in Oklahoma. And they have a travel trip. Oh, yeah. They're staying in Tulsa right now. Friday, they're pulling their travel trailer down. We're going to hook it up, electricity, sewer, water, whatever. And they're going to be here until we vote. If we vote, he's going to be here. They're going to move into the parsonage. We, for some reason, and, and I pray that this didn't happen, but if he happened to not pass, he would load up in his travel trailer and move on. So, but anyhow, they, they have a travel trailer that they stay in, and uh, we'll furnish him a place to hook up when he gets 